اعوذباللہشیطانجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ان دا نیم آف اللہ دا موسٹ گریشیس ایور مرسفو پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو آل ڈے لسنرز ویلکم ٹو اندر ایڈیشن آف دا بریکفسٹ شو ہے ایٹ دا وائس آف اسلام یو آر جوائنٹ ہے بائی مائی سیلف محمد اتر ان دا وائس آف اسلام اسٹوڈیو ایٹ دا ہاؤس آف وکٹریز دا بیت الفتو ماسک دا لارجسٹ ماسک ان ویسٹرن یوروپ اٹ از وینسڈے دا فرسٹ آف مارچ 2023 and uh, as always you know it's a pleasure to be here to present here on the voice of Islam radio such a beautiful and wonderful opportunity um as uh, you know always we always uh, discuss the weather and the news before delving into our segments of the show so we do have an interesting lineup of topics for you guys today this morning for the first segment we'll be discussing poverty and its effects on climate change in third world countries and then for the second segment we'll be discussing how quitting alcohol can also save you money just before that we'll be getting into the news and the weather and we'll be taking a very short break before we get into that one so please do join us after a very short break and do not go anywhere <laughs> He is the king of the kings and indeed is the master of the day of judgment. He is the Lord of of all creation the master of the day of judgment is one who runs the affairs of the masses according to his will malik master is one who has total possession of creation and has this possession without the help of any partnership and that this is not applicable to anyone but allah unlike a malik king from whom one seeks everything the term malik master denotes that god is responsible for everything including food reward and punishment the rule of god is not like any kingship of this world rather it has total ownership and control God has expounded the good and the bad deeds to us and has given us free will in this world and has told us that he has the right to punish and that the decision to punish or forgive is with him the promised messiah on whom be peace said that the attribute of master of the day of judgment demands that we turn to him with extreme and utmost humility sincerity and meekness those who turn to allah in the manner of a completely helpless and powerless person and do actually and genuinely believe in their utter incapacity as they submit find beneficence from this divine quality malik is a quality of deed that promotes and advocates a profusion of mercy and compassion however how can man imbibe this divine attribute 
on a human level. Adopting mastership means that man may do justice and may avoid evil. In this capacity, he also overlooks others' wrongs, either out of mercy, compassion, or forgiveness. These human qualities only come to the fore when one is in authority and possesses control over something. One's good moral qualities and courtesy only come into focus when one is given status. An awareness of the attribute of Malikiyat turns one heart tender with the awe of punishment and thus generates a true insight. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. So we'll delve straight into the weather. The weather, you know, it's uh, around the country, it's been getting a bit colder. Well, not, I wouldn't, I can't say for the entire country. But it does seem so in terms of the weather reports as well. And the weather, you know, just seems a bit colder as well. It's just going back to being a bit cold again for some strange reason. So the BBC weather um, says that uh, today parts of northwest and far northern Scotland will continue dry with bright spells. The far southeast of England will also see bright periods, cloudy with isolated light showers elsewhere. This evening and tonight skies will become clearer across northern Scotland. Further south, will, uh, further south there uh, will continue to be extensive areas of cloud. The odd light shower is likely under thicker cloud. Tomorrow will be la- uh, largely a dry day. Northwest Scotland, Wales and southern England will have a mix of sunny spells and areas of cloud. The rest of the UK will be cloudier with shorter bright periods. And the outlook for Friday to Sunday is that Friday will see variable clouds, sunny intervals, these prolonged towards the north and just the odd light shower in the far north. Saturday will see a mix of sunny spells and variable cloud. A few showers towards the northeast. Sunday will be chillier and largely cloudy day. A few spells of rain or showers are expected. Some may turn wintry over the hills. So the weather, you know, it's seeming a bit um, like as if it's going back to the... It's, it's just getting colder again. In terms of the news, we do have, uh, you know, there's some interesting news stories as well that um, we will be covering. So <clears throat> uh, just, uh, you know, this is just a very um, uh, live news that's just happened recently that dozens killed after two trains collided in Greece. So more than 32 people have lost their lives and dozens have been injured. A passenger service said to be carrying some 350 people hit a freight train on Tuesday evening. One of the carriages is said to have been crushed completely and a fire broke out. Rescuers worked through the night at... at <coughs> excuse me. Uh, rescuers worked through the night at the crash scene near its city of Larissa. It is the deadliest rail crash to occur in Greece in recent years. 
the carriage almost completely destroyed, says one of the governors. The governors of uh, Thessaly region, where the train crash took place, has told local media the truth. Uh, the two trains collided on the same track, according to Reuters news agency. And, um, you know, one uh, of the reporters told Sky TV um, the crash happened at high speed. The crash happened at a high speed between a cargo train and an intercity passenger train outside the city of Larissa in central Greece. The intercity passenger train had been travelling from Athens to Thessaloniki, uh, he said. The regional governor explained the first four carriages of the passenger train were derailed in the crash. He said the first two carriages were almost completely destroyed after catching fire. They were travelling at great speed and one driver didn't know and one driver didn't know the other was coming. So, you know, our heartfelt prayers do go out to the families of um, the, the people who've lost their lives and, you know, may may Allah Almighty grant them forgiveness and uh, grant them patience. In other news, uh, there'll be more civil servants to strike on Budget Day. Strike action by civil servants on the day of budget has been escalated with 33,000 more workers planning to walk out, a union has said. Around 133,000 members of the Public and Commercial Services Union will now strike on 15th March. The additional civil servants who voted to join colleagues include staff at HMRC, the Care and Quality Commission at the, and the Welsh Government. Uh, it has been call, uh, calling for a 10% pay rise, better pension job security uh, and no cuts to redundancy terms. But the government has said the union's demand would cost an unaffordable 2.4 billion civil servants. 2.4 billion it, was, it would cost them to you know, give them a 10% pay rise. And um, those civil servants have been offered a 2, 2% to 3% increase. The latest workers to vote for action join member, uh, members in 123 government departments and agencies, which include staff at the Department of Education and the Home Office. Um, on 1st February, about 100,000 civil servants walked out. And, you know, these, these strikes are happening and they're ongoing. And, you know, we did uh, discuss this uh, in uh, our last week's programme as well. And, uh, you know, His Holiness as well, the fifth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, if I am um, to reiterate his words, he did mention that, you know, the the, the reason people go on strikes um, is because they are not given their due right. So people should be given their due right. And um, that is that, that is what the government needs to look into. And that is what they, you know, what they essentially need to do. And in... Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, in uh, other news, um, number of UK children in food poverty nearly doubles in a year to four million. Supporters grow for expansion of free school meals to struggling families in face of rising hunger. So the number of, uh, as I mentioned, the number has nearly doubled in a year to four million children in the UK who are struggling because of uh, poverty. Uh, according to the Food Foundation think tank, one in five, 22% of households reported skipping meals, going hungry or not eating for a whole day in January. 
up from 12% at the equivalent point in 2022. You know, this, these, these figures really show that um, the cost of living crisis is it's not a joke and, you know, it is, it is real and it is affecting a lot of people. And, you know, the government really does need to step up and, uh, you know, help help our fellow brethren in need. Um, the public support is a strong... Uh, uh, it is mentioned that the, the increase in food insecurity comes as separate polling by the foundation showed increased backing for expanding free school meals in England. Eight out of ten people... 80% polled said they favoured extending free school meals eligibility to all children in household receiving universal credit up from 72% in October. Uh, in, in in other news, there's another, you know, as we all know, Brexit. Brexit has been happening for quite a while now. We don't know when we will be done with it, but, you know, there's many different deals going on the NI protocol and many different discussions and uh, yeah all of that is taking place as well so one of the news story reads that Brexit will endure after Sunak's deal but Brexitism is dying and Johnsonism may be dead so um, Rishi Sunak you know he's trying to um, his deal to fix the Northern Ireland protocol ends a process that is only the beginning and um you know, uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of um, like political jargon that may not be familiar to a lot of people, but um, you know what we need to understand is that um, obviously what's done is done, uh, whether you voted for or against Brexit. You know, uh, we obviously have to support our country in whatever decision has been made. But um, yeah, uh, there's there's still a lot of uh, businesses and a lot of uh, you know companies. Um, in interviews, uh, they are saying that you know they are f- um, feeling the effects, the after effects. They are feeling the after effects of Brexit, and uh, you know it hasn't been uh, well for their business. Um, in in another uh, another news article reads that hundreds of UK sex offenders went missing. Figures show. So hundreds of sex offenders across the UK slipped off the radar uh, of police in a three-year-old period, the BBC can reveal. Freedom of information request by BBC News to 45 police forces revealed 729 sex offenders had gone missing or were wanted for arrest from 2019 to 2021. You know, uh, the Home Office says that um, some of the toughest powers in the world some of the toughest powers in the world to deal with sex offenders uh, are, you know, they're, they're, they're working towards this and calling the situation a scandal. MP Sarah Champion says the key reason so many offenders went missing was because they had changed their names. And, you know, the parliament, um, I was reading another article, the, the parliament is looking to sign a bill in regards to this that um, sex offenders should not be allowed to do so because, because uh, there is a scandal in terms of um, that they are, you know, uh, sex offenders can change their identity, change their name, and just and just essentially disappear. So, <clears throat> uh, Miss Champion uh, is the Labour MP for Rotherham, um, where at least 
1,400 children were the victims of abuse between 1997 uh, and 2013. She previously raised in Parliament registered sex offenders were changing their names, then applying for fresh identity documents, allowing them to potentially secure jobs working with children. The, co- the cost ranged from £42 for an enrolled deed poll, where the applicant's new name is added to public records, or £15 for an unenrolled deed poll, which only requires two witnesses. Clearly, the current system, Ms. Champion says, clearly the current system of notification isn't working. The sheer scale of breaches and sex offenders going missing is a scandal, but one the public don't know about. So, you know, the, the, the government really needs to look into this as well and sort out this problem because, you know, our children are essentially the future. <clears throat> as, um, you know, uh, the second caliph of the Emily Muslim community as well, the slogan that he left for our youth community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim, the the Khudam um, the community in within our community, um, that a, nath- a nation cannot be reformed without reform first reforming its youth. So our youth, they are the future, and you know they need to be t- truly cared for, truly looked out for, because they are our future, and uh, so we should leave a better place in this world for our youth and our children to come. In another news, um, news story, um, FBI Chief Christopher Ray says China lab leak uh, is most likely. He claims that, you know, the FBI has uh, for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident. And uh, it is the first public confirmation of the FBI's classified judgment of how the pandemic virus emerged. Uh, China has denied a lab leak in Wuhan, calling the allegation defamatory. But, uh, you know, um, the the chief says that it is, you know, the most likely this is the case, that it did leak from that um, lab. And... um, you know, in, uh, in other news, there is, uh, you know, the Israel and uh, the Palestine, you know, the violence, uh, the insurgents and, you know, the um, the whole incident, the whole, you know, the attacks and the people of the people of Palestine suffering and all the atrocities that are happening against them. You know, it's increasing as well day by day. So we do, obviously, we pray for our fellow brothers as well, fellow Muslims over there. Brothers and sisters, uh, you know, may Allah Almighty grant them peace and um, uh, patience and just, uh, you know, be with them and help them. So, dear listeners, I do hope that you've been enjoying today's show so far. It is a live interactive show. We'll be taking a very short break and then delving straight into our first segment of the morning. If you do have any questions or any feedback, as always, the number to call in is also 8687-7878 or you can tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. So don't go anywhere and please do join us after a very short break. What is peace? Is it the simplicities in life or something exquisite? To some, it is vague. To some, explicit. To wake in a world wishing peace would just visit. A deafening society wishing someone would just listen? Is it higher power that will bring this world new navigation? Or is it acts of kindness that will refresh our imagination? I see powerless minds in search for reconciliation, who vote for justified masterminds who need no persuasion. 
Freedom of speech may be a thing of the past. Society pressures have us thinking. Why we even ask? We've been silenced because of the color of our skin. We've begun to believe that believing in God is a sin. What is peace? We ask today. A way of life. A feeling. Long way away. Who have we wronged to deserve this rubble? Who did we question? Who gave us this trouble? We have no shelter. We have no peace. With the one thing we had, it brought us to streets. Caught in selfish acts, money, power, and greed. Who needs food when we no longer have children to feed? Where is the justice? Where is our say? Peace is what we ask for. Yet there is more blood to pay. A new term in power. A video game for the fearless kind. A new six-figure salary. Who has a new house in mind? We are asked today, what is that you preach? Please look in our eyes. No need to question beliefs. You fear one religious mind could change the world. Fearless in thinking one bomb. And problem solved. Please justify the injustice. Stand up from your seat. We are not asking for much. We just ask justice for peace. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show. We'll be delving straight into our first segment of the morning: poverty and its effects on climate change in third world countries. Germany has pledged tens of millions of dollars to help Brazil defend the Amazon rainforest, a critical global ecosystem that experienced years of devastation under fo- former far-right Brazilian president um, Bolsonaro. During a news conference in Brasilia on Monday, German German Development Minister uh, Svena Schulz announced that Berlin would make 38 million available for the Amazon fund. an international mechanism largely funded by Norway that aims to prevent deforestation the amazon rainforest is crucial due to its ability to tackle climate change then rainforest grants um the the rainforest grants essential aid in balancing the climate while also maintaining biodiversity and providing vital food and medicine sources other than absorbing carbon dioxide around 76 billion tons of carbon dioxide is stored in the rainforest the trees in the amazon rainforest also release 20 billion tons of water into the atmosphere each day playing an important role in carbon and other nutrient cycles both at the regional level and globally <coughs> the release of oxygen <coughs> excuse me the release of oxygen into the atmosphere by the rainforest also highlights how important it is to the ecosystem and the livelihood of organisms it contributes to around 6% of the world's oxygen the rainforest provides nourishing rain which allows the plants already present to flourish further and be harvested for uses for uses like medicine and food A UN survey based on 5 million global responders so far reveals that people who live in highly developed countries consider taking action against climate change as their ninth of 16 priorities. In countries where livelihood and survival are a struggle, 
worrying about the future becomes a kind of luxury rather than a necessity. However, this doesn't mean climate change doesn't affect less developed countries and needs to be given the same attention as it would in a developed country. Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the fifth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, states that a factor of this climate change is due to growth of population. The world's population continues to grow, deforestation continues, and more and more trees are being cut down, and the usage of cars uh, continues extensively. Um, without further ado, I do. I would like to, you know, start with the first guest of the morning. We do have online with us Dr. Eve Planchel. I do hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Forgive me if I haven't. Uh, who is a lecturer in the Department of Earth Sciences and Engineering in Imperial College London. He is the head of the Environmental Diagnostic and Analysis Group. He has a PhD from Princeton University. Before his current position, he was a research fellow in the Geosciences Department in the University of Oxford and a lecturer in Climate Change and Environment at Grantham Institute at Imperial College. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Doctor. Yeah, good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just to begin with, could you please tell us your role as the head of um, the Environmental Diagnostic and Analysis Group? Yeah, so we are a research group at Imperial College and we do work, as the title suggests, on environment, right? And we're trying to basically measure environmental change and understand how important that change is. So we do research in roughly four different areas. Hmm. The first one is about climate, right? So we use climate data. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that is remote sensing. We use climate models. Uh, the second strand would be about pollution, understanding the influence of people on the health of the environment. So that's mostly about chemistry, geochemistry, understanding aging, transport, and reactivity of, of certain material. Yeah. Then we try to understand industrial ecology, so how, um, how we use materials. And then lastly, a degree of human geography, sort of like what is the impact of environmental change on people? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, would you say is climate change an issue which is exclusive to developed countries? Well, not at all, right? We, we yeah. all, uh, every time we use fossil fuel, hmm. we emit CO2. And everyone that uses fossil fuel is responsible for s- certain emission of CO2 and therefore a contribution to climate change. Yeah. Um, of course, the challenge is what is the link between um, how much CO2 people emit mm. and the uh, climate change they, they actually that results from that. So we know there's a relationship, for example, between GDP per capita and energy use and CO2 per capita. Right? Yeah. And so the part of that, of course, is, is a, a consequence in that you have high GDP because you've used a lot of energy. Mm. Um, is it really... Uh, you know, is the reverse true in that it is a GD, high GP necessarily involving high energy use? And I think that's what people are trying to, to break down now, trying to, to develop high yeah. GDP without high energy use. And that's the challenge that people are facing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how would you say poverty impacts climate change, essentially in developed uh, developing countries? Uh, well, I think it, it, poverty, of course, makes it difficult to access uh renewable energy yeah. insulation public transportation so 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 doing the right thing from a perspective of climate uh, climate or co2 emission is difficult if you don't have um, resources to implement those hmm. those changes so uh, <clears throat> access to to funding of course limits uh, mitigation options that one has and also adaptation strategy that one wants to um, maybe to deploy hmm. uh, of course knowing that adaptation is typically a lot more expensive than mitigation 
And yeah. of course, by mitigation, we say doing something to prevent the CO2 emissions to start with, whereas adaptation is more responding to the change, right? So mm. the more we can, um, I guess, help these countries mitigate, so, so you know, a- a- adopt sort of renewable energy um, systems, the better it's going to be. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And what more can developed countries do to help developing countries with the issue of climate change? Oh, that's a very difficult question, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, so for, first of all, I think, uh, is that developed countries can start by cutting their own CO2 emission. Yeah. Uh, every country has a, a climate debt in that mm. people have been emitting CO2 for a long time. Mm. And um, I guess if you benefit from having had a long period of CO2 emission and therefore high economic growth, yeah. you should be in a position to decarbonize faster than others. Mm. And I think there's they can make that effort, right? Hmm. And that includes both uh, the supply of energy and the, the demand. So people will have to 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 use energy much more efficiently as well. Right? Yeah. So there's a, a large um, effort that has to be done from the population itself in decreasing their own consumption of energy. Hmm. Um, another thing that I think developed countries can do is really assist developing countries with their sustainable development goals. So we talk about things like gender equality or rights to education. Yeah. And that's really quite, uh, these are really powerful means of, of helping developing countries mm. because climate change is, after all, a people problem. Yeah. So if we are able to um, to basically control population growth, mm. um, this really uh, has a very strong influence on um, on the development pathway of certain certain countries. Yeah. And I think, um, I guess, lastly, would be to assist with uh, sustainable energy projects mm. and decarbonization um, efforts of these developing countries. Yeah. But you, you see, uh, Doctor, the, the issue is that, you know, especially here, like, you know, in the, the, the most developed countries here in the West, the big uh, countries, you take France, Germany, England, even United States, their population compared to, you know, those of like in, in people who are living in deep poverty in India, in countries of Africa and, you know, in like Bangladesh, countries like those, they would be the ones who would essentially produce the most amount of emissions and they are not thinking about you know climate change because as you know i i mentioned earlier as well that they, those people they're not essentially looking into the future as it's not a necessity for them for them the necessity is just to survive so what should developing countries do to help uh what should developed countries do to help those countries what what do you think about that well, I think now you've introduced the idea of basically age structure as well of of a, of a population in that some of the developing nations have a lot of young people, yeah. whereas developed countries have a lot of old yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think if you're talking about a population that's very, very young, uh, especially at, at its peak in terms of, I guess, economic performance, hmm. that really means that these people are, are needing a lot of energy to basically yeah. fuel the activities. And in that sense, I think then, therefore, trying to um, prioritize energy efficiency and sustainable energy hmm. uh, production would be would be really helpful in that concept in that context. Definitely, definitely. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Doctor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for shedding light upon this topic. For now, um, peace be upon you. Take care and have a good morning. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a thank good you. day, everyone. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you. Bye for now. So that was a professor. That was Dr. Um, Eve Planchel, who is a you know um, a lecturer, uh, uh, who who is a lecturer in the Department of Earth Sciences and Engineering in Imperial College London. 
and he had some really you know interesting thoughts to share in regards to climate change and um, how uh, developed countries can help developing countries to be better in this regard as well we do have a brief audio clip uh, in regards to this so let's uh, briefly listen to that one my question is many people are worried about climate change recently what is islam's take on climate change and is there any advice for people at home <laughs> you see allah taala says that excess of everything is bad right although you see whatever the climate change is because of the industrial revolution too much uh, smoke is being sent on in the air air is being polluted this is why it is one of the causes of the climate changes secondly the 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 trees are being cut and uh, no new forestation is being done in the especially in the third world countries right although the population is increasing but if we have proper plans we can make we can accommodate the population in such a way that uh, within the limited area of the land we can accommodate as many people as possible right and infrastructure should be provided according to that okay so if we are not following the you need the what law of nature requires from us then the ultimate result will be that we are going to ruin our future we are going to doom ourselves or our generation so the the best way is that uh, instead of the the greed or involving too much involving ourselves too much in in the in the the comfort of the world and by creating so much of uh, gadgets and, and you see without any you know proper planning increase our production and because of the competition as china is doing and india is doing or america is doing now china china says that because america started this pollution of the climate pollution some 100 years ago so this is why they have announced themselves now we have started it now and we shall take again next 100 years before we stop so every country have their own vested interests they are not uh, thinking of their future about their future generation right so the best thing is that apart from making proper planning that uh, how much fuel emission should be done or how can we control it alongside it we should encourage and even force the third world countries to plant more trees so their uh, 
the air pollution becomes less. And in this way, it will help us to reduce the climate change. Okay? Okay, assalamualaikum. So that, that was His Holiness, the fifth head of the MDA Muslim community, you know, um, sharing that how we can cut down on climate change and the importance of it. And he put it into beautiful words. Um, further, uh, in another occasion, um, His Holiness, uh, you know, gave an example, saying that nowadays, even if one has to travel to a nearby location, people resort to um, um, and are more inclined to driving and using their cars. To, to driving and using the cars rather than walking or running. Uh, His Holiness said that climate change is a natural process which occurs, but man's actions have worked as a fan, speeding up the process. Noted that climate change would not completely destroy the planet anytime soon. There are still many prophecies with regards to Ahmadiyyat that still need to be fulfilled. In response to a question on climate change and how it uh, can be tackled, His Holiness said that uh, it's a problem everywhere all across the world, especially in third world countries where the population is increasing disproportionately. Just to accommodate the increased population, nations are developing new residential areas and because of this, forests are being cut. And this deforestation is a major cause of climate change. So you have to be very particular that whenever one tree is cut, two trees should be planted in return. Uh, issues like poverty and social deprivation are important and need to be tackled. Arguably, Climate change can be tackled alongside these issues as both uh, are detrimental to the future of a country. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would personally remove any stone, twig or any other impediment from pathways and enjoined others to do so. He enjoined that when Allah, the Almighty, grants one prosperity, he likes to see the effect of his grace on his servant. This relates to the importance of looking after the environment. The statistics of global emissions of travelling to Brazil compare these emissions in the West. What sort of emissions are we, um, you know, essentially what sort of emissions are we giving off? How the tourism into Brazil contributed to poverty and social deprivation? 5.8 million international tourist arrivals were registered for Brazil in 2013 and 2014. This number grew to 6.4 million in 2014. The substantial recent increase in Brazilian tourism is primarily attributed to hosting of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. And in the West, road travel uh, accounts for three quarters of transport emissions. Most of this comes from passenger vehicles, cars and buses, which contribute 45.1%. The other 29.4% comes from trucks and carrying freight. Since the entire transport sector accounts for 21% of total emissions and road transport accounts for three quarters of transport emissions, road transport accounts for 15% of total CO2 emissions. His Holiness uh, further says that if we take the issue of climate change, we see that a major cause of global warming has been the industrial revolution in the West and the fact that forests and flora were excessively cut down. Only now that such countries have fully developed uh, and are... happy to call for a reduction in carbon emissions or other industrial restrictions. However, such regulation may slow down and curb the advancement and growth of emerging powers such as India and China. And so these rising nations may well view such restrictions as hypocritical, unfair and attempt by the historically dominant powers to stop them from progressing, from challenging the global order. 
Thus, the issue of climate change is actually not an environmental issue, but it also contributing to the world's lack of peace and increasing resentment between unions. And, uh, you know, just as likely, you know, the Islam teaches us that this is a global village. We should live like uh, we should live amongst each other, such as like brothers and sisters. We should always care for thy neighbor and care for the fellow brethren. So we should heed, you know, Islam's teachings. And because it is a global teaching, it is a global religion. And we should try and follow in these footsteps. We'll be taking a very short break. And then we will listen to the news and then we'll get back into the show and we will start our second segment of the morning that how quitting alcohol can save you money. So don't go anywhere. And as always, this is a live interactive show. If you do have any questions, you can call us in at 0286877878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Don't go anywhere. Please do join us after a very short break. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahim in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show, dear listeners. Uh, you know, j- uh, just um, earlier we were discussing our first segment of the morning in regards to climate change in the, uh, developing countries and their impact. And now we'll be swiftly moving on to our second segment of the mo- morning, how quitting alcohol can save money. With the cost of living crisis, the price of alcohol has increased along with so many other products. It's prompted some to turn their backs on alcohol and nights out, opting for sobriety over spending. Uh, cutting out alcohol if you drink in excess can bring about health benefits for your liver, heart and body composition. The current dietary guidelines for Americans recommend that alcohol should be consumed in moderation, up to one drink per day for women and two drinks per day for men. Alcohol consumption has been linked to cancers of the head, neck, uh, oesophagus, liver, breast, colon and rectum. Student Grace Burton says she would spend up to £60 a night out and since she stopped drinking in October, she has uh, more to spend elsewhere. And it's not just a financial choice. She says others who have gone sober says their well-being has also improved. As a student especially, I felt like so much of my student loan was going towards going out and socialising, says 22-year-old Grace. And a lot of that was drinking. Figures show that the amounts uh, the amount you'd spend on a night out is increasing at its fastest rate since 1991, with all alcohol prices on the up. Millie Gooch, 26, says she noticed an uptick in the number of people cutting down on drinking as a result of the cost of living crisis. Pubs have reported this too, with reports that a combination of inflation, staff shortages and lower customer spending um, may leave pubs and bars struggling to survive. And uh, we are definitely noticing that is one of the things to go because it is getting more and more expensive for people, Millie says. And I think that they're realizing is that they really need to look at where they're spending their money and are they spending on things that really make them happy. So I'm delighted to say that we do have on us uh, online with us our guest of the morning. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Ayla Hash, uh, Hashmazadeh, uh, who has been a director of research 
and Public Affairs since January 2022. She has nearly a decade's worth of policy and influencing experience, having also worked for MP and national charities, Breast Cancer Now and Versus Arthritis. She's particularly strong on understanding how the charity and its issues fit into the current political climate and priorities of the government. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to be with you this so it's morning. It's a pleasure to have you on. Just to begin with, could you tell us what does Alcohol Change aim to do? Yeah, so Alcohol Change UK is an independent charity working to reduce the harm caused by alcohol in society, saving and improving lives. We work towards a future in which people drink as a conscious choice, not a default, and where issues which lead to alcohol problems like poverty, mental health issues, homelessness mm. are addressed and yep. where those of us who do drink too much and our loved ones have access to that high quality support wherever we need it, you know, without the shame and the stigma that can come mm. with alcohol problems. Yeah. Uh, what problems can alcohol dependency lead to? Yeah, as you can imagine, harmful drinking can cause significant problems not only for the drinker but for also members of their family. This can appear in the form of health problems, financial worries, relationship breakdowns and parenting difficulties. Yeah. You know, however, you don't have to be physically dependent on alcohol to have a problem. There are many people who never go to a GP or get diagnosed as being alcohol dependent. They don't have any medical issues related to heavy drinking and they don't experience any of the physical withdrawal symptoms when they stop drinking, but they do have still an unhealthy relationship with alcohol that causes them problems psychologically and behaviourally, and it affects their mental health. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, how does alcohol dependency affect people in their everyday life, for example, in, the, in regards to their family and relationships? Yeah, the strain that the overuse of alcohol can put on family life ranges from us being, you know, impatient or like quarrelsome when we've had a bit too much to drink and the very real destruction that can kind of uh, result from alcohol dependency. Yeah. Heavy drinking can lead to misunderstandings, arguments, fights, you know, and exacerbates all sorts of problems with our physical and mental health. It means that sometimes people can let people down, forgetting commitments and, you know, missing appointments heightening, you know, family tensions, getting in the way of clear communication, uh, you know, and meaning that people are less pleasant for each other, including their, their children, you know, children in particular, yeah. need to know that they can rely on the people around them. Hmm. And when there's too much alcohol in the mix, it can make this a little bit less likely and drunken behaviour is particularly unpredictable. It can be quite frightening for children to witness. Definitely. And on, on average, how many people in the UK die as a result of the alcohol consumption? So I'm going to give you the specific figure because it's significant. It's yeah. 9,641. And I, and I say that because Every it's year. the highest. On, uh, this is for the last year. For the last year. And it's the highest on record, hmm. which is why I'm saying that specifically. Hmm. So evidence shows that many people, um, the coronavirus pandemic led yeah. to an increase in their drinking, for example, with those already drinking heavily, most hmm. likely to have been drinking more. Um, and uh, you know, but any one of us can find ourselves drinking harmfully, yeah. and seeking early help and support is one of the best things that we can do if mm. we find ourselves struggling. Yeah, and uh, what what can we do um, to support people with an alcohol addiction? Yeah, I mean, there's the biggest problem is that there are around six hundred thousand people mm. who would benefit from alcohol treatment in England. Yeah. However, tragically, only about eighteen percent of those people are receiving it. 
So treatment services need to make an essential contribution to reducing alcohol harm to individuals, families and communities. Mm. You know, one of the things that we're doing as a charity is supporting services and then seeking to ensure that they can reach as many people as possible. And that includes actually people of, you know, different communities, different gender, whatever, that may have a you know, specific requirements from a treatment provider as well. Yeah. Um, to make sure that everybody can access the support that they need and deserve. If there's anybody mm. listening and they'd like a bit more information or advice about you know, either their own drinking or a loved one, I would really advise you to go onto our website, alcoholchange.org.uk, yeah. where there's lots of really helpful information um, and signposting in terms of where you can go for help as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot um, for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. For now, peace be upon you. Take care and have a good morning. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. So, um, you know, that was um, uh, Isla um, <coughs> uh, Hash Mazade from Alcohol Change. And, um, you know, they're a charity who's been working uh, to help people tackle these um, uh, tackle alcohol issues and um, alcohol addiction. And, you know, it's great work that they're doing and this great advice that she shared as well with us. Um, so in, in, in regards to this... Islam mentions that, O oh, you who believe, wine and game of chance are only an abomination of Satan's handiwork. <clears throat> so shun each one of them that you may prosper. Satan seeks only to create enmity and hatred among you by means of wine and game of chance and to keep you back from the remembrance of Allah and prayer. The Arabic word al-khamr is used in this verse, which means anything that intoxicates or alters the mind. Thus, all forms of intoxicants are forbidden. The verse clearly explains the problems created by the use of intoxicants. First, they lead to hatred and enmity amongst people, causing murder, violence, immoral behavior. And secondly, they lead people away from Allah and his religion. Allah wants the believers to keep their minds pure and clean so that they worship him fully. A Muslim may not offer prayers when he is not in full possession of his senses, even if that is caused by excessive emotion or a state of sleep. Certainly a mind that is intoxicated is not able to focus on Allah the Almighty. Would you have a brief audio clip in regard to this? So let's briefly listen to that one. And the questioner raised a question about why is the consumption of pork prohibited in Islam? But they also asked, why is the consumption of alcohol prohibited in Islam? And you know, what is the wisdom of the teaching behind that as well? Perhaps the panel could shed some light very quickly because we, we only have a few minutes left on, 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 on the teachings of that. Well, some people in that, I mean, just uh, I take that, in that aspect, some people sometimes argue that there are good points in uh, alcoholic drinks, all that. The Holy Quran has taken this one. It has been mentioned as some of the uh, uh, impure things introduced by Satan, Ritsum min Amali Shaitan. And then uh, the Holy Quran has also mentioned that uh, the good points, they are far more than the, uh, I mean, than the, uh, the verse of the Holy Quran says that there are some good points in it and some uh, harms in there. And the harms are much more than any possible so they, good point. They outweigh, outweigh the good. They outweigh, they outweigh the good. That. So in that case, this is a simple question of wisdom. If something is more harmful, people should abstain from that. That is one of the argument. Yes. And the name Khamar, which has been used in the Holy Quran, that is also has a meaning of covering. 
So it covers the mind and the intellect of the person and the mental faculties are damaged as a result of excessive drinking. And nobody knows when one becomes excessive drinker, you know. Yes. Beginning is always made from a small drink and then people move forward. So that's a very slippery road. So Islam says the better is that people should try to abstain from that. Ibrahim said very quickly on this point, obviously for, for we see many in the West, although that much merriment is gained from, from drinking of alcohol, we also see how alcohol is often the source of breakdown of families and of society and it has many detrimental effects. Well, I mean, I think Imam Sahib has clearly demonstrated that its, it's, it's, it's blessings are smaller than, than its, its evil is greater. And that's what you see. You, you may see uh, young people or any person going out with the intention of having a few drinks. And many times on a daily basis, and particularly in Ireland, we're hearing this all the time, the amount of deaths, the amount of injuries, the amount, but particularly deaths of young people, four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, who've died simply because of consuming um, alcohol. I mean, those of you who are listening to the news, one famous singer belonged to this uh, by his own man who died purely on taking, uh, drinking too much alcohol. So, I mean, it is, it is obvious. I mean, I have seen in, 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 in you know, my life so far, many families being destroyed just, just because of alcohol. I mean, uh, the, Quran, the whole Quran shows clearly that its, its teaching is full of wisdom, that it, I mean, it is not beneficial. So, uh, you know, that really showed us it, it just you know the facts, facts and the figures that uh, you know that uh, like the consumption of alcohol is, is it, it never leads to anything good. Always it leads to negatives. So um, you know, in, intoxicating your mind. You know, that some people say that they they want to essentially kill the pain away inside them, and you know they're suffering with mental health and other problems, <clears throat> but. This is this is not the way out. This is it's only a temporary fix, which has very you know it has long term side effects and many drawbacks and negatives. Um, so in regards to this, um, uh, that um, so some of the other benefits of quitting alcohol, some of the health benefits, I'd like to mention. <coughs> apologies, I'd like to mention them. That liver relief. Cryosis of the liver can occur over time in those who drink excessively, decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease and reduce the risk of cancer. The National Toxicology Programme of the US Department of Health and Human Services lists alcohol as um, a known human carcinogenin in its report on carcinogenins. The report states that a person's risk of developing an alcohol-associated cancer increases with the more alcohol they drink regularly over time. Uh, weight loss, while alcohol is high in calories and wine, beer, mixed drinks add sugar to one's diet, Kumar says cutting it out may help to lose weight. And, you know, the boost of brain power. Alcohol, alcoholics have some specific di um, disorders of the brain, which are due to excessive alcohol drinking. Brain damage can reduce memory and concentration, says Dr. Dasgupta. Some of the tips for quitting and what help is available for someone wanting to quit is that before you go out, you know, set a limit for how much you're going to drink and a budget for your alcohol, for spending on alcohol. Tell your friends and family that you're trying to cut down. Take it steady. Try cutting back a little more every time you drink. Mix up your habits and order a small glass or half a pint instead of um, 
you know, and alternate alcohol drinks with soft ones and, you know, put in plenty of water in place as well. Um, we'll be taking a very short break and then, you know, we'll be carrying on with this topic and discussing the Islamic, uh, the, what Islam says about this as well. So please don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short break. A'udhu billahi minash Bismillahir Rahmanir In recent years, the Holy Quran has been increasingly portrayed in a negative manner. We would like to present an introduction to the true message and spirit of the Holy Quran. The Quran is the very word of God Almighty, a complete record of the exact words revealed by God through the angel Gabriel to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Qur'an is in every detail the same unique and miraculous text that was revealed to Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Qur'an is the principal source of every Muslim's faith and practice. It deals with all subjects that concern us as human beings, including wisdom, doctrine, worship, and law. But its basic theme is the relationship between God and His creation. We will now be speaking with two distinguished Islamic scholars, Mr. Mirza Muhammad Afzal, and Mr. Ataul Wahid, who will be presenting their responses to some of the issues raised by the Western media. In a nutshell, Holy Quran is the Word of God. It is the literal revelation of the Word of God. When we say that, what we mean is that it is not just the inspiration. And then Prophet Muhammad came up with his own words and his own sentences. All these words literally was revealed to him by Angel Gabriel or Gabriel. And he would hear it and then he will dictate it to his companions, write it down. So that is what we, when we say this is the word of God, it means it is a literal word of God. Each letter, each word of God, uh, Quran is, was revealed to Prophet Muhammad. When we say that the Holy Quran is the word of God, I think that confuses a lot of people. Because in Western countries, the, uh, there's mention of the Bible being the inspired word of God. And the Quran is different. Because the Quran is the revealed word of God. It's the message received from Allah to the Holy Prophet that he conveyed to his companions. They either wrote it down or memorized it as it was conveyed over a period of 23 years. So there's a distinct difference there when we talk about the Holy Quran being the Word of God. It is God's Word, the revealed Word of God. More than one billion Muslims around the world recite the verses of the Holy Quran in the five daily prayers prescribed by Islam. Further to this, thousands of Muslims have committed the Holy Qur'an to memory in its entirety. This makes the Holy Qur'an the most recited and the most memorized book in the world. You know, Qur'an is the only book in the world which, is, uh, which has the, the honor to be memorized. And this was one way to preserve it, because whenever it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, he would memorize it. And remember, he was not given like the whole chapter at the same time. He would give like few words at a time, maybe one verse at a time or two verses at a time. And then he will memorize it. Then he has about seven companions around him who will right away memorize it and write them down. And then keeping that tradition Islam, at this time there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Muslims who has memorized complete Quran in, 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 their, in their brain. The Holy Quran does not claim any sort of monopoly over the truth nor does it claim that it is the only book that God has ever revealed to mankind. Rather, the Qur'an claims to be a continuation of the chain of revelation. It's a religion for the rest of time for all of mankind. Not saying the previous religions were wrong, or incorrect, or false. Because the Qur'an says that Moses was a true prophet of God, 
and Abraham and Adam and you know Joshua and Noah and, and Lot, etc., mentions them in detail and has nothing but praise for them. Nothing but praise for G Jesus. And it also says Christianity was true in its time, but their times have passed. And when, when that process was finished, God sent the Quran and Islam, not as a replacement religion, but simply a step forward in the evolution of religion. So you can say that you know Judaism came for a certain period for certain people in a certain geographical area. Islam has come for all of mankind for the rest of time. You know, Quran does not claim the monopoly over the truth. Quran is a book which is the continuation of the previous uh, uh, or on the pattern of previous scriptures. And uh, all it says that it is complete, it has more to offer, and it says that it contains all those previous teachings which were revealed to different prophets. So in, the, in that respect, it is a beautiful bouquet which contains flowers from different faiths and the flavor of different faiths in the Holy Quran. So that's why when we, we speak of the Holy Quran, we say it's a complete book. And that's what we mean. It, it carries the teaching of all of the scriptures, sometime in its spirit, sometime in its letter, and give the credit to those uh, previous scriptures as well. The Quran is a book of science. It contains marvelous scientific facts. The Quran is also full of prophecies foretelling technological and scientific advances, many of which have already been fulfilled. Quran being the word of God and science being the act, they both has to go hand in hand. Because if God, what God speaks is proven by science, then that means that the Quran offers you more than just do's and don'ts. So when Quran talks of science, it really carries you to the next level of your life. And this is how Quran proves to you that this is the word of God. Quran speaks of, uh, you know, this new technology. And in, in, in this age, we have a technology of fingerprinting, you have a technology to do DNA, you have a, so many other, and Quran speaks of it. Quran says there will be a time when people's skin will speak. And now the, your skin speaks. Your fingerprinting is what, you know, speak, and that's what Quran speaks of. Quran says there will be a time when the, all these beasts and animals will be brought together at one place. Look at your zoos. Quran says there will be a time when there will be more printing done. Press. And in those days, there was no press. Despite the portrayal of the Quran by the Western media, the Quran in no place advocates terrorism. We need to tell people what Quran is all about. We need to tell people what the Holy Prophet's life is like. Because Quran was lived by the Holy Prophet himself. If Quran teaches terrorism, there must be incident in his life which will prove that this is what really Quran is all about. In a nutshell, I can say, all the verses in the Holy Quran, where you find a retaliation, where you find to ambush the enemy, where you find to kill the criminals, it is all under a specific circumstances. And that is if there is a war which is imposed on you and you have to defend yourself, then these are the rules and regulations. You know, if, if an enemy attacks you, you're not going to sit back and let him just kill you. You need to defend yourself. In the course of defense, how far should you go? This is what Quran speaks of. And Prophet Muhammad living in Mecca for 10 years, he never retaliated. But when he migrated to Medina, when the war was imposed on him, that's where Quran gave him the permission, now you can go defend yourself. Even then he said, don't kill a clergyman, 
don't destroy a, a place of worship, don't kill women, don't kill children, don't cut trees, don't attack at night. All these beautiful things Islam says. In summary, the Holy Quran is the living and direct word of God, free of any interpolation or corruption. It provides mankind with guiding principles and laws pertaining to every area and aspect of human interaction and existence. It is unfortunate that this majestic book, which presents the perfect path to attaining peace and harmony in the world, has been misunderstood by so many to be the source of so much discord. In reality, it is only by following the true spirit and letter of the Quran that mankind can ever hope to attain peace. For this to occur, however, mankind must accept the promised reformer and messiah as foretold by the holy prophet, peace be upon him. Hadrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, on whom be peace, was that promised reformer, and he was commissioned by God Almighty to present the true interpretation of the Holy Quran. For more information on the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam, please visit www.alislam.org. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show, dear listeners. I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us another guest in regards to this topic. We do have online with us Dr. John Foster, who is a professor in addiction and mental health at the School of Health Sciences at the University of Greenwich. He has been publishing alcohol research since 1996 and has over 70 publications in peer-reviewed academic journals. Although he has researched alcohol treatment and dependency most uh, of his recent work has considered alcohol in a public health context, in particular how to provide information to people so that they can make informed judgments about their own drinking. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Doctor. Good morning, Doctor. Yeah, good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can, we can hear you. Thank you. Sorry, Thank you so, so, much, so much for joining us. No worries. Uh, just to begin with, uh, please could you outline some of the research you have conducted relating to substance abuse and mental health? Um, my recent research has been more around um, the links between long COVID and alcohol. Mm. Um, that's 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 been my my most recent work. I mean, I have worked. My my main focus of no. my work is is about how, is the change from drinking in pubs to drinking at home because mm. we're increasingly drinking at home now. And, yeah. and 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 the and the reasons for drinking at home. That's been my the main focus of most of my work. You, could you could you uh, like uh, go into a bit more depth in regards to that? Yeah, I mean we've we've found um, that pe- that the main reason why people were deciding to um, over a long over a long period of time we've started to move away from drinking pub in pubs and restaurants towards drinking more and more at home because the supermarkets sell more alcohol, hmm. um, and we found that the main reason for this, cost is one of the big reasons, hmm. but actually one of the main reasons for this is just because it's so convenient, uh, and consumption of alcohol tends to go up whenever it, it's e- more easily available. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean to say it's more, going to be more harmful to drink, there's a lot more harmful drinking, but it's just that there is going to be more around. Yeah, definitely. And what, what mental health issues are associated with alcohol, uh, alcoholism? Well, I mean, the main ones um, for men are, p- are particularly depression, yeah, um, and and, uh, and sadly suicide, um, because alcohol uh, often is sort of linked to impulsivity and impulsive decision making, and so mm. you find that many, a lot of suicides normally have a, an alcohol within them. Yeah. Uh, um, um, for women, the particularly the, uh, the the there's a strong link between alcohol and anxiety and coping and, and coping with anxiety hmm. and trying to hide anxiety. 
So, uh, so those those are the two main ones. I mean, there are there, there, there you can get uh, a sort of psychotic episodes as well, when, but that's when, if, you've, if you've been drinking really, really heavily. Hmm. And, and then eventually it, you can have something which, which is because of the lack of vitamins and whatever is, is that, and, and the general lifestyle, it, it can lead to sort of early onset dementia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what other consequences can excessive alcohol use have on the body as well? <laughs> um, well, obviously the liver. Li- the liver is the yeah. main one. Yeah. Um, but actually, I suspect the one that you need to be ca- careful careful of mis- initially more is blood pressure and strokes, hmm. um, because that 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 is probably one of the very first signs that yeah. that, that that you might be drinking too much. Um, virtually every every organ in the body. I mean, so you get the heart. So you get problems with the heart. You can do. Uh, the pancreas particularly and the other one is the the stomach hmm. because what you're doing essentially eventually is just putting um you lining your stomach with acid yeah. and 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 you and you get ulcers and and and, and things like that and, and other complications which I probably don't want to talk about today <laughs> <laughs> not, not over breakfast anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you say are the benefits of quitting especially you know mentally socially and financially i don't know, well I mean, I think it's. A, it's a, I'm not sure about quitting. To be yeah, honest, no. um, uh, I think cutting down. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's better. Yeah. Um, well, the benefit obviously is money because mm. you're, spe- you're spending less, um, and and we we do and we do know that um, it's alcohol. If you drink quite a lot of it, it, you will become more anxious. You will become more depressed. It is it, if you if you are having a a difficult time, shall we say? Yeah. It is probably best to either cut down or avoid alcohol altogether, hmm. um, um, because it, 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 we have, as a society, got into a um, habit of using it as a, as a stress, as, as a way of relieving stress, and it really isn't a particularly good one. Uh, and what was the last question? Sorry. Uh, in uh, in regards to socially and mentally as well, why would benefit? Socially, I mean. I, I, I think that's a, that. I think that's a difficult, difficult one because yeah. actually, I think in in our society, we we like alcohol is 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 associated with on the whole pleasurable social experiences, mm. uh, and um, and ninety five percent of them are. Let's, yeah. let's be absolutely let's be absolutely frank, and and that's the whole point, really. Um, but there are the, the there are times when it you know when it does lead to uh, um, sort of situations that are. Adverse situations, aggression, violence, whatever, mm. and a lot of that tends to take place privately rather than in. So, so in a sense, the social drinking because there's more control and mm. you're more in pubs and you're born in restaurants, whatever, is probably a better way of drinking than drinking at home. Because yeah. drinking at home, you've got to set all your own boundaries. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of like cases of uh, drunk driving or uh, well, bar fights and. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, most of us don't do it. That's, I mm. think, that's the point. But, but yes, that's, that's like all forms of any form of activity, there will be mm. some people that are at the extreme end. Yeah, yes, and there's the, there are, yeah, and there are bar fights, and and mm. and people get into it. But most in most pubs now that um, and restaurants, there's they 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 don't that the atmosphere is is very much against that type of thing, and people are. Um, 
they're, they're encouraged not to mm. drink excessively or whatever. And we've got um, and we've moved away for a lot from that from what what, what when I was I'm in my sixties now yeah. from the nineteen seventies. A huge change. But yeah, there are there there are some pubs and places where you will and it will happen. Mm. And the and the the Friday night Saturday night drinking is not as big as it was maybe even even fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. So on one level, I would say we've got a more um, uh, mature hmm. um, um, attitude towards it in the way in which most of us drink it. Yeah. But on the other hand, it, we are probably we are we are drinking a lot of it privately now, and, and so so and there is an assumption that the private drinking is a safe drinking, yeah. and it isn't. Yeah. yeah. And it's no it's no more safe than if you drink it in a in a public in a public hmm. space. Hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Doctor. It's been an absolute pleasure. For now, peace be upon you. Have a good morning and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Hope Thank that was you helpful. So yeah, it, it was. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. <coughs> Apologies. So that was Dr. John Foster. Uh, you know, he's shedding his uh, his knowledge uh, and his wisdom uh, in regards to alcohol consumption and how you know it can lead to mental health and how cutting down can be very beneficial for you as well. Um, and you know uh, it can also you know it can cause lots of mental health problems and um, can lead to you know excessive drinking can lead to depression as well so uh, there is a brief audio clip in regards to that so let's listen to that one briefly peace be upon you i'd like to talk about something that i think is quite common that being feelings of emptiness or a sense of disconnection that doesn't necessarily fall into the medical definition of depression or other pathologies Although personally, I do think it can be related to conditions like that quite intimately for some people. A lot of people feel an underlying sense of disconnection, which can manifest in many different ways. Feelings of emptiness or loneliness even when we aren't alone, a terrible inability to be alone with our own thoughts, an overwhelming fear of death or feelings of nihilism. This feeling of disconnection has been attributed to a whole myriad of things. The breakdown of the typical nuclear family, isolation from nature and each other, and even growing economic inequality. And while I think all of these things might contribute to or exacerbate the situation, my own personal opinion is that the causative reason for our feeling of disconnection is that we've abandoned a key part of what makes us human, our spirituality, our practices of prayer and contemplation, and an understanding that there is a reality that is not accessible to our material, everyday senses, that can only be accessed through spiritual practices, but are nevertheless as essential to us as our physical food is to our bodies. After all, the common thread that links immersion in nature or connection with other people is an attempt to fulfill the need to unify ourselves, or at least to feel intimately connected with something greater, something that is transcendent, essential, unchanging, beautiful, nourishing. Almost every human culture of the past seemed to understand this to some degree or another. So it's actually quite remarkable that our now global culture has by and large abandoned any notion of these ideas or practices as valid. Historically, there are a lot of reasons for this that are maybe for another day. But I will say that we're now feeling the negative consequences of the attitude that stems from dismissive, closed-minded materialism. A lot of people attempt to medicate their internal sense of disconnection with anything that will placate their inner disquiet, anything that can partially replicate the feeling of connection for a short period of time. Such measures often include avoiding being alone, using work, friendships, relationships, sex or even drugs as a kind of stopgap to fill that void. In my personal opinion, while these things might work in the short term, they don't get to the root of the problem, and this means that all of these activities are driven by a need to be made whole, instead of out of a choice to add to an internal state that already feels whole. When the stopgap measures, for whatever reason, are no longer available, 
the feeling of disconnection returns, often worse than before. So I want to be very clear about what I believe and have experienced is the root cause of all this and what is the attendant cure. In my opinion and personal experience, the ultimate root cause of this is the elimination of spirituality and spiritual practices, especially regular prayer, from human life. The function of prayer is to disconnect from the continuous external stimulus that we receive for a brief time and to attempt to connect ourselves with the higher power, God or Allah. Indeed, to my mind, the mere fact that human beings feel such constant yet varied inner discomfort when we abandon this practice is proof enough that it's something many are in need of. Some of you watching now will agree or have had similar experiences yourselves. Others are going to be more skeptical. To those who ask specifically how one should pray, the answer is that prayer ultimately is varied and personal. But all effective prayer has, throughout human history, been noted to have some common traits, namely that it is addressed directly to God and not through any intermediary, that it is heartfelt as much as is possible, and that it's regular. On this point, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, wrote, He who supplicates with the sincerity of his soul is never truly frustrated. That prosperity which cannot be achieved through riches and authority and health, but which is in the hand of God, and he bestows it in whatever shape he wills, is bestowed through perfect prayer. I'm personally confident that anyone, no matter their past, who engages in this practice persistently, say on a daily basis, even for a few minutes, and keeps an open heart and mind, will find that their internal state and their experience of living changes dramatically for the better. The feelings of disconnection and internal isolation that they may have felt previously morph into the opposite, feelings of peace, harmony, connectedness. To those who are skeptical, or those who are agnostic, I would simply remind them that a truly rational skeptic puts even those ideas and theories that they are most skeptical about to a deliberate and honest test, and that if the purported benefits of a practice are truly that extraordinary, then that at least is evidently worth trying. You may be pleasantly surprised as to what you experience and find. In summary, I'd like to leave you with a few Quranic verses that crystallize what I've spoken about. And when my servants ask thee about me, say, I am near. I answer the prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me, so they should hearken to me and believe in me that they may follow the right way. Therefore remember me, and I will remember you, and be thankful to me, and do not be ungrateful to me, and seek help with patience and prayer, and this indeed is hard except for the humble in spirit. I, it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts can find comfort. Peace be upon you. It is, uh, you know, also important to note that drugs and alcohol are used as means of escape from overwhelming difficulties and responsibilities. <clears throat> the attitude of one who has truly embraced the teachings of Islam cannot be compatible with the state of despair. A true Muslim places his reliance on Allah for the relief of hardship. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, proclaimed Allah's commandment concerning intoxicants, his followers broke their pots and jugs of wines until the streets fl flowed with it. Uh, Tariq bin Aswaid asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, about wine, and he forbade him. When he told him that he used it only as medicine, the Holy Prophet replied, It is not a medicine, but it is a disease. The Prophet of Allah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, If... The larger dose of a thing causes intoxication, its small quantity is also unlawful. This hadith does not list all the evils of drinking, but <clears throat> has only by way of example pointed out its intoxicating ill effect. 
Wine, in fact, has many other injurious properties besides this one. Therefore, in the case of a person in whom the ill effect of intoxication is absent, the wine will still be considered unlawful for him on the grounds of its other harmful properties and it's therefore that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has declared it unlawful in every way. So dear listeners, I do hope you've been enjoying today's show so far and you know this is an interactive show. You can uh, call in at any time. A number to call in as always 0286-7878 and you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK there are many other different Voice of Islam shows held here as well there is also Drive Time which is held 4 to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday there's also Weekend World and um, many other shows as well they should tune and listen to and um, I, you know I'd just like to thank uh, the research team, uh, the researchers, Sahar Mehrish and Maria, and the producer, Hola Hashmi, and <coughs> apologies, and uh, Nawera Khan, and obviously our technical department, Akib, um, Akib Ahmed, and um, you know, t- tomorrow the, there'll be some interesting uh, lineup of topics for you guys as well in regards to World Book Day, how to start uh, reading and keep reading, and um, let's discuss. Comedy Amongst the Tragedy, Shakespeare's Best Comedies. So for now, please do have a good morning. Take care. Peace be upon you. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.